Welcome everyone to this Whole40 podcast. My name is Angela Richard, and I'm the coordinator of Young Adult Ministry for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. And I'm Michael Horn, the evangelization coordinator in the Office of Laity and Family Life. And we welcome you to our fourth podcast um, in this Lenten series for the Young Adults of St. Louis. With us today are two special guests. If you'd like to introduce yourselves. Uh, Nick Lee here, director of Young Adult Ministry. This is my second of the Whole 40 podcasts. Welcome so, back. Uh, yeah, I must have done a pretty good job last time. <laughs> and, uh, we got uh, another uh, fine young gentleman uh, across the way here. Uh, I'm Deacon Drew Hoffman. This is my first podcast, although I've known about it for a long time. And oh, I've heard sure. really good things about <laughs> the podcast. Uh, I am studying over at Kendrick Glennon Seminary. I'm a deacon for the Diocese of Wichita, Kansas. I'm assigned over at the Cathedral Basilica for the school year, so I'm just uh, honored to be here with uh, Mr. Nick Lee. I hear the podcast is big in Wichita. It's this big. Is, it's been yeah. spreading, and uh, <laughs> we're trying to get more of a foothold, so they're bringing in some new blood. Is it true that the hosts they use for Mass in Wichita is actually made out of cornbread? <laughs> uh, that was until 83, <laughs> and then right. uh, we brought in, we tried some honey with it afterward. <laughs> and this cannot be true. We really real. tightened we, it up. We've got people out there, you need to catechize them. Wichita is a pillar of orthodoxy. <laughs> <laughs> a pillar. <laughs> It's a beautiful diocese. Looking forward to visiting it soon. Amen. Well, we're so glad to have you both with us. Thank you for being here. Um, how is Lent going for both of you? I, this is kind of interesting. This is our first clergy that we've had on the podcast. So I would love to hear, like, from your perspective, how things are going. So this is my first Lent as clergy, the first time mm-hmm. I've been as a deacon, and so the first time I've been preaching. So as I'm preaching about Lent, one of the great things about preaching in general and preaching in Lent in particular, is that when you're preaching to people, you're preaching to yourself. Mm. And so when I'm, uh, the things that I'm talking about in homilies, especially in Lent, are things that I need to hear. And I re- and it comes out of that because as a, you know, a 26 year old man in the uh, seminary, you're having a lot of the similar experiences as just a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to come out of that experience of Lent and of the things that the Lord is doing in your heart during Lent, and to be able to then preach about that and spread that uh, has been a, has been an added meditation on Lent for me I'm than sure. I've ever had before. So it's really been a, a very cool thing to be able to uh, to practice Lent and then be able to preach and then be able to bring that into further practice. Oh, that's uh, awesome. So. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, for me, it's been a it's been a fun Lent. I I'm calling it my progressive Lent. I'm progressively giving up things as we go along. <laughs> so uh, last week I cut out coffee. Um, thankfully, we had a feast day on Saturday, a feast of the Annunciation. So yeah. I had uh, double coffee on Saturday and Sunday this weekend. It's good. It's good to be Catholic. Good to cheat on the weekends. Uh, <laughs> On Sunday, and then uh, this Wednesday, uh, I'm starting uh, with no meat. So uh, I've got for the rest of Lent. For the rest of Lent, wow, I've got, I've got a little bit of meat left in the refrigerator, and uh, it'll be gone by Wednesday, and no more from that time on. So yeah, it's just been good to kind of slowly um, just step away from some of these attachments that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely try to reduce a lot of my media use as well. Got rid of the old Facebook on my phone, which has mm-hmm. been a real nice uh, freeing act for me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just Lent has been going on, just sort of slowly detaching from uh, lots of different uh, lots of different things that I rely on and uh, just bring me comfort, but uh, also can just distract me from my ultimate purpose. That's great. Michael, How how's your Lent going? My Lent's going really well. Uh, I continue to grow this beard every day, so it's almost <laughs> 90 days old right now. Oh so I am gosh. looking forward to that celebration. It won't be too big though because it's not Easter yet, so we are can't. Are you going to shave at Easter? Hard. 
Oh, no, no, no. We're going to keep this going for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm not That's sure. impressive. I'm not sure if it's going to be a full year or more. Oh, we'll my see. God. It's an elegant yeah. beard. It's not <laughs> a simple. Yeah, it's, it's not an, simple. It is an elegant beard. Thank you. Thank you, Deacon. <laughs> no. Thank you. No. I'm glad somebody knows what's going on here. Yeah, so my Lent is going well. Other than that, it's just it's helped me to just adopt an uh, approach of penance and just some more fasting, some more prayer time. Some more time in solitude, too. I think... We have good, healthy time with community, but sometimes we just waste time with people. Mm-hmm. So I think for Lent, a good challenge to me has just been to value those relationships and interactions that I've had with people, to make them intentional about growing in friendship, growing in relationship with Christ, and also taking that time in solitude, taking time in nature, especially as the springtime comes, and just kind of being out there alone, and also just reflecting on the beauty of God and his workings in my life. So that's what I've been trying to do. Nothing too drastic. Haven't uh, done anything too crazy in my penance or anything just I give up meat completely yeah I, I haven't given up meat completely like nick so crazy, i don't man. have that going for me but yeah just add some more time in prayer add some more time in solitude and really value those friendships and make them intentional about christ that's awesome one of the things that has really been on my heart this lent is so a couple of years ago i give up netflix for yeah. lent and it was really hard until i realized that the uh, webster groves public library has all seven seasons of Parks and Rec on DVD. Oh, and so... Uh, so you didn't give that up. Uh, no. So so one of the focuses this Lent is things like that that usually aren't that uh, obvious and clear, but a lot of times, at least in, with my fasting, it's very easily to subconsciously insert other things mm-hmm. into that space that you've created. Absolutely. So fasting creates a space for the Lord to work and how easy it is to fit something in that's... Uh, filling it just as much or even more during Lent. So that's been one of my uh, focuses in prayers. These times that fasting, prayer, almsgiving, the space that they've created to be able to be really proactive of maintaining that space and letting the Lord uh, enter into that space. So it's just been something that's been on my heart, something I hadn't really thought about that much before uh, this Lent. Yeah, that's a great point. That's something I even noticed today too. Like um, I've said it before, but I've been struggling with this waking up and not using my snooze. And um, my goal is that next 15 minutes is for prayer. And I've been okay with doing that. But then it's like after that, I hop back in bed and I'm on my phone. And where where is the the grace that I'm receiving from that time in prayer and, and silence and solitude? And, and so that's just a really good reflection for me too, like looking for where I'm trying to fill those space with the space with um, things that are just not helpful. Yeah, you yeah. know. Um, okay, let's jump into the gospel reading. So we're coming a day late. It's Monday. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about yesterday, this fourth fourth Sunday of Lent's um, gospel. It's John uh, from the Gospel of John and Michael, go ahead and take it away. So John 9, 1 through 41. So another long gospel. We had another long gospel the week before with the woman at the well, but this week we have this account from John's gospel, the ninth chapter, where we find Jesus ministering to this man who is born blind. And at the beginning of the account, the apostles asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? And so there's this tendency to think that this man did something wrong, that he's inherited some sort of condition that's unfortunate for him, this blindness. And so Nick and Deacon Drew will get into this a little bit more, but just to offer this initial overview of the reading, Jesus tells this man to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he tells him to wash in this pool. And Nick's going to get a little bit more into the meaning of that, that location. But he washes and he receives his sight. And so this is something that's never happened and that they mention this in, in that passage as well, that 
they've never known anyone who was born blind and can now all of a sudden see. This this hasn't happened. And so the Pharisees, in typical Pharisaic fashion, try to ruin this whole account and the beauty of it by bringing up the fact that this happened on a Sabbath. And so this is the time when no one's supposed to do work and no one's supposed to do good things, right? So So Jesus is accused of just not not being proper in his actions. So they don't believe. And so I think the thing that I want to focus on most is the contrast between the Pharisees and the blind man. So the blind man moves from this trust in Jesus to, to uh, he obeys him and does exactly what he says. Then he comes back and immediately Jesus asks him if he wants to worship the son of man. And he says, tell, tell me who this son of man is. Who is the son of God that I should worship? And I will. And Jesus says, the one you're speaking with is he, and I, I am the son of God. I have come to save the world, and he immediately worships, worships him, immediately. So this, this obedience, this trust in God becomes this blossoming faith. And then contrast that with the Pharisees who see this work, who know that there's no other explanation for what just happened, that this man has received his sight by nothing short of a miracle, nothing less than Jesus Christ, and so that Jesus is showing his divinity in this passage, and they refuse to believe. And so I just think it's important for us to reflect a little bit on our spiritual blindness and our blindness in our lives. So where are we missing the Lord? Where are we failing to see his grace? Where are we failing to see his works and wonders in our lives? Because we live in a very chaotic and sometimes depressing world, but Jesus is all around us. He's in our brothers and sisters. He's in the people that we encounter every day. He's in the sacraments. He's in the blessed sacrament, especially in our devotions, our prayer and fasting. He's he's can be found in so many dimensions of our existence. And so it's us today to just think about where's our prayer with spiritual blindness? Where have we encountered it? And can we ask the Lord today for grace to see him more clearly, to ask for that grace to know the Lord in a deeper way? And to, to become aware of those times when we're not recognizing him in our midst. So we're going to invite Nick and Deacon Drew to just share their reflections now on the passage. And again, they can incorporate that into their Lenten journey as well. Jumping on what Michael said, I, I'm not sure there's a better Lenten practice for somebody to take up that they if they have not taken it up already than an examination of conscience mm-hmm. at the end of one's day. So as Michael's talking about where are we able to see the Lord working in our life, it's it's hard in the midst of things. It's hard uh, from minute to minute and from hour to hour unless we're practicing. And so one of the great practices a person can pick up in their life, and I know it's been life changing for me and as I continue to grow in, in learning it and learning how to do it, is this examination of conscience, an examination of consciousness uh, throughout the day. So to be able to, before one goes to bed, to take, I mean, it doesn't have to take five minutes, sure. to thank the Lord uh, for the day, to take a look back at the blessings and gifts of the day, and then to take a look back, maybe hour to hour, where are some of those times that I uh, failed to see those things? Where are the times I was blind to a kind word from a friend? Where was the times that I tried to enter something in to fill a hole that, that you wanted to fill with something else? And when we're able to start doing that on a nightly basis, then the days we are able to do what this blind man does. He's able to worship in that moment because he had practiced in a certain sense. He had practiced mm-hmm. being able to see good things in his life because his physical blindness had, in a certain way, impelled him to start looking for those things in other areas of his life. So he was more likely than when a big moment came like this to jump on it. But but it's because pra- he's practicing 
throughout his whole life. So I think that's something that the Christian faithful can do, just like Michael's talking about, to be able to see these little things in our life that build up into the big moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I love what you talk about there in terms of uh, practice. We're kind of in the, the March madness season. So, you know, we see uh, just sort of this pinnacle of athletics and, you know, uh, just a full season, 25, 30 games, plus all the countless hours of practice. And you sort of see it coming to its fruition. And, uh, you know, in this moment, like you said, uh, he's been sort of listening to those small voices in his life, listening um, to different ways to be purified, uh, purgated, and... Uh, um, yeah, we get this beautiful moment. And I, I actually wanted to read from the gospel, if I could, this actually moment of the healings. This is uh, verses 6 and 7. It says that Jesus spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the man's eyes with the clay, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the blind man went and washed and came back seen. And, uh, you know, what I love about our faith is uh, we are an incarnational faith. Uh, I mean, we, we engage the material elements of the world. We, you know, we've, we've had our ashes on Ash Wednesday. In a few weeks here, we're going to get our palms on Palm Sunday. Um, you know, we, we don't eat the meat on Friday. You know, it just, it, we, we are a very incarnational faith. We got our holy water, playing rosary beads. Uh, we engage the world. And what I love in this scene is that Jesus takes the very simple material realities. It's gritty. He spits on the ground, makes clay, puts it on the man's eyes, and says, go, go wash. Go take a bath in that pool and and, and see what I can do for you. And comes back seen. And uh, what I love is, you know, we know actually the pool of Siloam was a real place. We have archaeological evidence of this. And as John, the, the evangelist, sort of adds in here, he says, Siloam, this pool, it means scent. And that's what I've just been reflecting on all weekend in this gospel passage, this idea of we are purified so as to be sent. Mm. You know, people sort of ask you, you know, what are you doing for Lent? You know, what, what, what did you give up for Lent? What are you, what are you being purified of? I and mean, we can talk about, I gave up chalk, I gave up coffee, I gave up meat, you know, not, Angel's not doing the snooze button. I, uh, <laughs> mad girl. props to Angel on that one. Uh, you know, you know, what are you doing for Lent? Well, I think maybe a better question is, what are we doing? What are we as a church community doing for Lent? We're being purified so that we can go and be sent. It's 40 days in the desert. And on Easter Sunday, we're going to shout from the rooftops, proclaim to the world, he is risen. And we get 50 days to go and proclaim that message of the Easter season. And then at Pentecost, it gets re-proclaimed. You know, we learned that 3,000 Christians were added at the Feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And so I just, I just love this idea of purified to be sent. And this is just such a beautiful, beautiful passage that, that illustrates that for us in the Christian life. Really putting the joy in the Laetare Sunday Amen. right now. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I love it. Uh, yeah, so these are just incredible readings throughout this time. We get back to, we're going to have Lazarus this week. And so especially in the cycle A, which is what we're in right now, we get some of the uh, big dogs. And so exactly uh, like Nick is saying, this scent as being, we are almost, uh, we're doing damage to the work of the Lord by having it have a stopping point. The mm. Lord's work with this man can't be contained with just this man and his worship, which is what he was supposed to be doing, but then it needs to move uh, beyond it. What really came into my heart throughout the the uh, reflection is what we're really seeing here, especially in the first uh, couple of paragraphs, is we're seeing a return to Eden and what happened in the Garden of 
Eden. So this man mm. is born in a way that's not quite right. Mm-hmm. There's something, they make such an emphasis on the man is born blind. So he's born with something going on in him that isn't the way that everyone, it's very clear to everyone that that's not what was supposed to happen. And, and so it is with all of us. So we're all born in a way that's not quite correct. And sometimes we can't put a finger on it, but it, what it, I mean, it's original sin. Something that we're born with that's a little strange that keeps us spiritually blind in a certain sense. What does Jesus do? With his saliva, he makes clay. And so if you're reading this as a a first century Jew, if we're reading this as 21st century Catholics, we're immediately thinking back to Eden. We're thinking about the clay that those two first people who weren't born with original sin were created out of. Mm. Lent in so many ways is this calling us back to the thing that took away our original sin, which is baptism. Lent is a, is a calling back of our baptismal promises, a rejection of Satan and a confession of faith, both personally and uh, in the public. And look, what's kind of incredible here is when this happens, when this man is returned to the state that God had meant him for him to be, so in this case, being able to physically see, in the case of baptism, the removal of original sin, having sanctifying grace. What does the man say? It says, the neighbors say, isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some says, some said it is, but others said, no, he just looks like him. He said, I am. The blind man, after he receives this healing, after he receives uh, this renewal, is able to say, I am. He's able to say, the name of God in a certain sense. He becomes more like the one who healed him, Mm. which is what the baptized son or daughter of God is, someone who is like God, who's in friendship with God. So we get this incredible, uh, the Christian life is just in a profound way formulated in just a few sentences, and that's not even to account the the rest of the reading, which then explains what that's going to actually look like in day-to-day, the day-to-day life of the Christian and the life of the Pharisees as well. I just want to follow up on Deacon Drew's excellent point there towards the end, just about how these people don't recognize the man who was born blind. And I think that relates to us too. Often in our lives, when we decide radically to make that commitment to Christ, when we enter into this time of metanoia that we talk about during Lent, this conversion of heart and this turning towards God, this turning towards the Lord, where we sometimes are not recognized by people. So I was at this wonderful retreat this weekend where these gentlemen were speaking about one of their greatest joys in life is thinking of perhaps times when they failed in a, in a certain location or something. For example, at a bar or someplace that was just very, very worldly, a very worldly place. And their joy is to have people see them in that same setting years later and not acting in an irresponsible fashion. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's become, it's sobriety or just watching what they say, what, what their topics of conversation are. So that's one of the things that people don't recognize you because you've changed so much. And so that's what we're called to do as Christians to, especially during Lent, is to really accept the Lord with this, with this faith and trust that the blind man shows us. And this, this idea that I believe in Jesus. I'm going to obey him. He's going to send me and commission me to do this great work. And that some people might not recognize him anymore because I might seem a little different. And they, they can't even realize, is that the same person? Because you've been so transformed by grace from the inside and that it carries into your, your interactions and your 
your words, your thoughts, your and your daily living that sometimes it's hard to recognize you even. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, Michael, I mean, so we've sort of hit the, the halfway point here of Lent. And I like what you said there about metanoia and this sort of uh, this, this, this opportunity to change. And uh, I feel like it's sort of a good, good gut check moment here in the middle of Lent to kind of figure out, okay, well, have I changed at all? You know, we see in this gospel passage, the man was blind. He went into the pool. He could see a very clear change. You know, I mean, there, there's, there's no denying a change that occurred. And his neighbors recognized it. And those he had known prior recognized it. Clearly. Um, but I guess we got the same question, you know, for ourselves. Like, would people say that we've changed? Would people recognize something has happened into, inside of us spiritually? And so I think it's just a good moment here in Lent to say, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not blind. And so people are going to have this you know, very natural, practical uh, change about me. But has something changed interiorly? Something changed on my soul um, that is reflected in uh, just the way I interact with folks on, you know, in the day-to-day life. And so, uh, yeah, I love kind of coming to this halfway point of Literia Sunday mm-hmm. and uh, just sort of um, preparing uh, as Jesus is preparing to march to Jerusalem. In a few weeks, we're going to have Palm Sunday. They're going to lay palms down before him, proclaim him as king. Five days later, they shout to crucify him. So as we're preparing with Jesus to go to Jerusalem, preparing for uh, this, these final moments of the, the passion, death, and resurrection, uh, just an opportunity to uh, maybe take that examination, as Deacon Drew is talking about, that examination of consciousness, examination of your Lent, and uh, just see where you've come in the last three and a half weeks and uh, where co- God's calling you to go from here on out. I think that's a great challenge for all of us as we... Uh, wrap up this podcast. Um, any final parting words of advice, wisdom, prayers that you would like to share with us <laughs> as we as we wrap up today? Uh, I'd ask you guys to please pray for me. Anyone listening to please pray for me. It can be a thing and, and for me in uh, a particular place, but also to be able to have that as a focus, to be able to have a prayer intention or numerous prayer intentions as our focus is during Lent. Like you said, what are we doing as a church? We're being purified. We're being sent. And a way we can do that as a particular focus is to have an intention, to have a couple of intentions. Maybe somebody who's fallen away from the church that we really are focusing on this Lent in our prayer to prepare, to cultivate the ground for maybe a conversation, maybe uh, some sort of evangelization, or maybe just allowing the Lord to work for them. So to be able to be uh, particular uh, with that, to, to pray both for ourselves, but for some, for others, that they'll be able to, uh, like the blind man, when the Lord's grace pours down upon him, because it's going to with all of us, that they'll be able to see and then worship. Well, we're definitely be praying for you, Deacon Drew. So uh, if you could tell us, what is what is your ordination date? When 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 do you become a full-on priest? May 27th, if they don't kick me out before them. Yeah, I haven't yeah, got, I so you get a call letter, which uh, basically is your... Uh, it means you're on the up and up. And there's 10 Wichita priests to be ordained and 10 deacons. So it's taken a, it takes a while to get all of those in. Sure. So I haven't received that yet. So nothing's official. All right. Yeah, all but right. May 27th. So that's what back, we to pray for, to see that letter. That's right, that's right. <laughs> May 27th back in Wichita, Kansas. So awesome. yeah, very excited. Awesome. Wonderful. We're excited for you, brother. Any parting words of wisdom, Nick Lee? Um, I saw Beauty and the Beast this weekend. <laughs> oh my and, gosh. And, uh, 
It was a fantastic movie. I really recommend folks go see it. Um, a beautiful Catholic moment uh, within the movie. Uh, if you remember from the animated version, Belle is walking through town, seeing the provincial life, looking through this uh, you know, fairy tale book, and she goes to a lending library. Well, in this live action version, rather than going to a lending library, she actually goes to a Catholic church. What? And uh, she goes and meets uh, Père Robert, Father Robert, and uh, he's the only one in town that actually has uh, good reading material. Oh. And so she goes to him and talks a little philosophy, talks a little literature, and it's just sort of a, a fun, uh, just sort of a fun Catholic moment uh, within the context of this, you know, Disney, you know, fantasy movie. Uh, and Père Robert comes comes back to play a few times more in the movie. But uh, yeah, so it was a nice little surprise, nice little Catholic moment. Uh, Amidst just some of the uh, you know the fantasy of, of the Disney world, so that's my my final final thought. What's the best animated Disney movie of all time? Yeah. Um, oh gosh, that's a you just really put me on the spot there. Uh, I think The Lion King. I just uh, I really love. Uh, so I'll, I'll defend myself. Why The Lion King? If you recall, right at the beginning and also right at the end. Um, the baby lion is sort of held up uh, over Pride Rock, and uh, it's this really beautiful movie. And what's what's, what's the, the baboon's name that's holding him up? It's Rafiki. Rafiki, of course. How could I forget Rafiki? And uh, I've always been reminded uh, of, of a scene in the Bible, actually, when Jesus is brought into the temple and being consecrated, uh, and there is uh, the prophet Simeon and the prophetess mm -hmm. Anna uh, are there to receive Jesus. And what do they do? They hold him up just like Simba, just like on Pride Rock to say, this is your king. This is the salvation of the world. This is the Messiah we've longed, waited for, and expected. And I've always loved that scene in The Lion King. That's so, great. uh, greatest Disney movie of all time, Deacon Drew. Man, I made a mistake here. I was going to say Aladdin because I like the whole new world. And so I was not uh, <laughs> as prepared for your Catholic I, I, answers. I took a little theological direction I, there, Deacon. I, I think know. you can make just about anything Catholic. Yeah, that's right. We <laughs> figured. Sure. I, I preached about Incarnational Aladdin. faith. That's and why. universal. We and are the universal, universal church. So we're right. a part of everything. That's right. I preached about Aladdin the other day. Did you really? Uh, about is God a genie or not? Ah, I Ooh. like it. And, I like it. So we're bringing in, we're bringing in Disney, we're bringing in theology, we're doing Rob it Williams oh, action yeah. there. I love it. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was just gonna say before we started this podcast, I was gonna find it miraculous if we didn't bring up sports, but I guess I should have been Disney because we, we did get that mention of March <laughs> we, Madness. In, we but. are in a one week mourning period for the Kansas Jayhawks, and so oh. there is no uh, discussion or speaking. Uh, regarding March Madness in public spaces. That's the real reason why you're wearing black right now. It right? is a, it's a time of mourning for an entire state. <laughs> well, it's a time of celebration for the state of Missouri because we signed the number one high school basketball recruit in Thomas Porter Jr. And uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a big season for the Missouri Tigers next year. You may know this. Why does a Missouri golf course only have 14 holes? I don't know why, Drew. They've never made the final four. Ooh, Ooh. I love it. This was <laughs> Ouch. So it serves us right for bringing a Wichita Deacon. We, oh, no. <laughs> Go we got off track thread. at the end here. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Catholic Universal. We're a part of everything. Or God's a part of everything. Very Jesuit and oriented there. Um, thank you for joining with us. Um, being a part of this fourth week of Lent. Lenten podcast. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Deacon Drew. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. <laughs> so glad to have you all with us. Um, and we will see you next week. Peace. Thanks, Angela. Thank you. When I was a child, I didn't hear a single